And let's turn in our Bibles to Numbers chapter 2. Numbers chapter 2 this morning. We recently started a uh, series of messages in the book of Numbers. And uh, certainly uh, not a book that many of us would spend a lot of time in. I hope you spend some time in it as you read through the Bible. Just don't skip over it because there's so many hard names, genealogies, and so forth. It's easy to say, oh, I don't understand all that anyway. I'll just kind of skip through that, read through it, skim it. But uh, I think there are some lessons that can be learned from the book of Numbers. And uh, so we're going to look at a message this morning, a message from the March. Message from the March. And look at chapter 2. And let's just read a few verses here in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign their father of their father's house, far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. And on the east side to, toward the Rising of the sun shall they of the standard of the camp of Judah pitch throughout their armies, and Nashon, the son of Abinadab, shall be captain of the children of Judah. And then he's going to go through, or the Moses is going to go through and give to us each of the tribes and where they're going to put their, uh, put their tents and so forth. But look down in verse 33. It says, And the Levites were not numbered among the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses, and the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they pitched by their standards, and so they set forward every one after their families according to the house of their fathers. Now, those poor Levites are not going to be left out because tonight we're going to, we're going to look at some lessons this evening in our evening service, uh, lessons from the Levites. Okay, so uh, we'll come back to the Levites, even though they're not numbered here uh, at this point. But here in Numbers uh, chapter 2, we are given a record of the order of the tribes of Israel as they travel through the wilderness. Uh, As you recall, God used a pillar of cloud to guide the Israelites on their journey. And with the motions of the pillar over the tabernacle announced that the camp would move, it would have been difficult, if not impossible, to break camp and start the march quickly and eventually uh, without some kind of order in the camp. The Bible does tell us, let all things be done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 14.40 And that's not just an admonition for the New Testament age, that's an admonition for all ages uh, of, uh, of, of all God's people in every age. Uh, the verses here in this passage, I think, provide us some interesting information But it's the insights from meditating on this chapter that I think will reveal some great lessons for us to live by. Uh, Lessons that come from digging beneath the surface, so to speak. And I want you to notice with me, first of all, God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. Again, in verse 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, God is the one who organized these tribes in a certain order. And, you know, to move two and a half to three million people without organization would have just been chaos, would have been pandemonium. God doesn't work this way. 
Uh, he uh, knows that order, order, orderliness achieves greater efficiency and avoids frustration and confusion. 1 Corinthians 14.33 specifically tells us, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. And so when a Christ comes into a person's life, order begins to come back into that life as the believer yields to the Lord. The key is yielding. Uh, you may have a multitude of, of trials and problems in your life, but you're not exempt from them. But you can have peace and stability and order in the midst of chaotic problems. Unfortunately, many Christians have a life of confusion instead of order. Why do people get confused? Uh, why have you been confused in the past? Well, there are several reasons why confusion plagues us. First of all, we get confused because we're not listening to the directions. We're not listening to the directions. I understood that Franklin Roosevelt got tired of smiling, that big smile. If you've ever looked in your history books of Franklin Roosevelt, he usually had a big smile on his face. And he got tired of that big smile, saying the usual things to all those in the White House uh, receptions. And so one evening he decided to find out whether anybody was really paying attention to what he was saying. One person came up to him with an extended hand. He flashed a big smile and said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. People automatically responded with comments like, how lovely. Or, just continue doing a great work. See, nobody was listening to what he was saying. Except one foreign diplomat said, when the president said that, I murdered my grandmother this morning, he said, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> you know, so many times we mess up because we don't listen. Kids in school mess up because they don't listen to their teachers. Uh, they don't know what to do because they never find out what to do. And the nation of Israel created huge problems for themselves in the wilderness because they did not listen to God. In Ezekiel chapter 12 verse 2 it says, Son of man, thou dwells in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not. They have ears to hear and they hear not. For they are a rebellious house. Zechariah 7 11 says, But they refused to hearken, and pulled away the shoulder, and stopped the ears, and they should not, that they should not hear. You know, the same problems occur when, with Christians when they don't come to church, they don't read the scriptures, they don't listen to the preaching, they don't listen to their parents, they don't listen to godly counsel. God says, wake up! That woke it up. If you weren't awake before, you are now. But God says, listen to my word. Give me the time of day. Don't tune me out. James 1.19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. God's promise to us is that he will bless us if we listen to him. Proverbs 8.34 Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. 
We're to stay in tune with the Lord. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and do more and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. You know, when we don't listen to the Lord, we get confused. And we make costly mistakes. Now, just illustrate this cost of poor listening. Diana Bonet, a listening consultant, and I think that's what some of us need sometimes, listening consultants. But this listening consultant, she was the author of a, an, a, an article or a magazine, The Business of Listening. And she offered this example. There was a $100,000 error because it was caused by a dispatcher who routed a fleet of drivers to deliver building materials to the wrong state. The dispatcher heard the city Portland and then quit listening before he heard the state Maine. You already know where this is going, don't you? They ended up in, yes, you guessed it, Portland, Oregon. That's 3,000 miles away. That's a costly mistake because someone didn't listen completely. You know, we get confused because we're not listening to directions. We get confused, secondly, because we're not following directions. We're not following directions. Some folks will listen, but will not follow directions. Uh, Such is the case in the book of Judges, when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. People want to do their own thing. They want to get their own way. And the result many times is confusion. It's trouble and it's a messed up life. Psalm 107. Where, there we go. I got the, the Portland, Maine mixed up there, didn't we? Confusion. It wasn't God's fault. It was my fault. I think we're on the right one now. Psalm 107, verse 17 says, Fools, because of their transgression and because of their own iniquities, are afflicted. In verses 28 and, or 27 and 28, they reel to and fro, stagger like a drunken man, and are at wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. Have you ever put furniture together from a store like Walmart? You know, they're a great furniture store, right? Perhaps it was a shelf, or maybe even a desk. You find out how quick there is, uh, there is a reason for the directions in the box, okay, guys? There's a reason for the directions. I can do it without the directions. Because there's a certain order that you need to follow. And Christians who do not follow God's directions mess up in their lives big time. They get into sin. They get into trouble. Solomon gave wise counsel in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into the, unto the own, thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. You see, God expects us to follow directions. We would not be here if one man did not follow directions. Who was that man? Well, it was the man Noah. God told him what kind of wood to use for the ark, how to treat it, the dimensions of the boat, the location of the doors and the windows, how many animals to put in it. And if you want to avoid a confusion in your life, we need to obey God's word. 
We need to get in the Bible. Find out what it says. Obey it. Joshua 1 and verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Matthew seven twenty four. Where Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. John 7 and verse 17. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. John 14 and verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him and will... We'll, we will come unto him and make our abode with him. We get confused because we don't listen to directions. We get confused because we don't follow directions. And we get confused because we don't understand a matter or circumstance. We don't understand. Some folks may not understand a concept, a concept of math or science, and they might get confused. Ever tried to add, subtract, multiply, and divide fractions? Do you understand the concept of finding the least common denominator? Some of you say, what are you talking about? You remember. Sometimes that is difficult for some people to get a hold of. Well, some people don't understand why they have tragedy in their lives either. Why am I sick? Why did my loved one die? Why did I lose my job? Why uh, did my marriage crumble? Why? Why? Sometimes the fog of present condition clouds our understanding of God's future for us. One day I was working on a message and it was foggy. And if you're out in the fog, you know what I mean. With a heavy fog, it's very difficult to see what's ahead. And what happens in our lives sometimes? The fog of problems, the fog of difficulties makes it hard to see what we need to do. Perhaps you remember your lessons. Again, we've had a lot of history this morning in Sunday school, but perhaps you remember your lessons in European history, of course. You all remember that. But you will remember the Battle of Waterloo, right? News of the Battle of Waterloo reached England. The word was carried first by sailing uh, uh, a ship to the southern coast. And from there it was relayed by signal uh, flags to London. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have any kind of way to do this any other way but to take it by ship. And then there was a series of flags. And when the report was received at Winchester, the flags on the cathedral began to spell it out. Wellington, Wellington defeated And before the message could be completed, a heavy fog moved in. Gloom filled the hearts of the people as the fragmentary news spread throughout the surrounding countryside. But when the mist began to lift, it became evident that the signals of Winchester Cathedral had really spelled out this triumphant message. Wellington defeated the enemy. Big difference, isn't there? You know, and too often we allow the future to be clouded by what we understand at the moment 
And we have a tendency to become so absorbed with our current difficulties that we forget God's faithfulness to us in the past. Job was a godly man, but he was confused about his trials. The psalmist was confused too, but Job 10.15 says, If I be wicked, woe unto me, and if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head? I am full of confusion. Therefore, see thou mine affliction. Psalm 44 and verse 15. My confusion is continually before me, and the shame of my face hath covered me. Now how does a person get understanding? What do I do so I don't have to go through life wondering what to do next, what decision to make, or which way to go? How can I get clarity or understanding? Six things. Number one, analyze and apply God's word. Psalm 119, 104. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. So analyze and apply God's word. Secondly, give attention to the Holy Spirit. Yes, even in the Old Testament, you have verses like Exodus 31.3, And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and the manner of his workmanship. Give attention to the indwelling Spirit of God in your life. Grieve not the Spirit, but be filled with the Spirit. Number three, ask God for understanding. Psalm 119.34 Give me understanding and I will keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Psalm 119.125 I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. Number four, be attentive to the godly and wise counsel of others. Proverbs 15.32 He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Number five, avoid and shun a sinful lifestyle. Job 28, 28. And unto man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, to depart from evil is understanding. Number six, abide close to the Lord and get to know Him. Proverbs 9 and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You know, if you lack understanding or you're confused, you need to implement these things in your life. Notice we also get confused when we don't know where we are. Letter D, we don't know where we are. Ever been lost? Would you admit that you've been lost once or twice in your lifetime? I mean, at least once. I mean, really lost. (laughs) There's no fun in that, is there? And I think you can get lost up here in the Northwoods. I was, you know, before GPS. And even with GPS, you can get lost, I think, sometimes. We were driving through the North Woods one place. We thought we were going one direction, and so we turned the GPS on and said, get us to here. 
We're going down a nice paved road. Pretty soon it's a dirt road. Pretty soon it's a trail, two tracks with a grass growing in between. But it's still, a, it's still got a sign that says this is such and such road or trail. Eventually it came back to a, a gravel road and then a paved road. And we got to where we were going, but for a time there we thought we were lost. You see, when you really get lost, it's confusing because you don't know where you are. You don't know which way to go. And especially if you get lost in the north woods and it's, the sun's not shining. Well, which way's north? Which way's, you know? You need a beacon or a familiar marker to give you direction. And the world is confused about life. They're confused about death. They're confused about eternity and heaven and hell and God and salvation. And they rejected the light of God's truth. We were traveling uh, on our way home on one occasion. We were listening to the radio. My wife and I were listening to a Chicago station, and there were two women that were hosting this talk show. They were discussing the difference between fundamentalists and Pentecostals. That was kind of interesting, anyway. But you know what? It was clear that these women had very little knowledge about the subject. And a whole lot of preconceived notions about it. It was actually comical and yet very sad to listen to these two women try to analyze something they knew nothing about. My wife said, I should call them and straighten them out. (laughs) But it's obvious many times that the world is confused, isn't it? It walks in darkness and multitudes have rejected the light of God's truth. John 3, 19 says, And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. John 12, 35, Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. Ephesians 5, 8, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And if we're not careful, Christians can lose their way. They can get off the right path and on the wrong side. I didn't say you could lose your salvation. I just said the Christian life is much like riding a bicycle. We're either moving forward or we're falling off. God warns us to be careful how we live. Hebrews 2.1, Therefore we ought, ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Hebrews 10.38, Now the just shall live by faith, and if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. I think there are a number of reasons why we get sidetracked and we get off the right path. Here's some reasons why we get sidetracked. We get sidetracked by being absorbed absorbed with self-will instead of God's will. Proverbs 14.14, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Secondly, indifference toward the Lord because of our carnal living gets us off track. Matthew 24.23, And because, because of iniquity shall abound, The love of many shall wax cold. Thirdly, forgetting what the Lord has done for you can get you spiritually derailed. Revelation 2.4 Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. 
Number four, replacing your love for the Lord with something else will get you sidetracked. 2 Timothy 4.10 says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, uh, Crescens to Galatia, and Titus unto Dalmatia. Maybe you heard about the foolish farmer who concluded one day that the oats he was feeding his mule for years were simply costing too much. So he came up with a plan. He mixed sawdust with the feed. And then a little bit more the next day, and even a little bit more the next day, the next time he would, uh, each time he would reduce the amount of oats and increase the amount of sawdust. Mule didn't seem to notice the gradual change, so the farmer thought things were okay. He kept decreasing the amount of oats. Weeks later, on the day that he finally fed the mule, nothing but sawdust. Mule finished the meal and fell over dead. Christians who feed on spiritual sawdust are getting weaker and weaker because they lack nourishment. They lack strength that comes from the bread of life, the word of God. And that's what we're here to do this morning. We're here to feed upon the bread of life. I'm not here to entertain you. Churches all over America are feeding less and less of the Word of God until finally they have no Word of God in their services. And you wonder why people are failing or struggling. It's the sawdust of entertainment and fluff. We have so many weak Christians today. What do you do with the Bible determines what God will do with you. If you stray from the scriptures, don't be surprised if you stray from God. You get out of the church because they get hand in hand. They go hand in hand. So how does a Christian get back on track? Well, the word of God is the key of getting your life straightened out. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Proverbs 6.23, For the commandment is a lamp, the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. If your life is full of confusion, are you sidetracked? If so, get back into the Bible, obey it, and the Word of God will give you direction, will give you order in life, and God does things decently in order. For this reason, he numbered the tribes here in Numbers chapter 2. He gave them the appointed positions they were to travel. If you look at kind of a chart here of the Israelite camp, the strongest and leading tribes were to the east. They were Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. They were the sons of Leah. To the south were Leah's boys, Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. Rachel's descendants, Ephraim and Manasseh and Benjamin, were positioned to the west, and on the north side was Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of order. And so the next lesson I see here is not only is God not the author of confusion, but we are soldiers in the Lord's army. 
Again, verse 1 and 2 here, it tells us, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch it by his own standard with an ensign of their father's house. Far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. God, through Moses, was instructing Israel in order and organization of the camp. You saw that in that last illustration. But not only was each family to encamp in their family clan, but they were also do so in their own tribe. The word ensign has a sense of a flag. And so each tribe had its own distinctive flag. And within each tribe were banners or standards of the various clans of the tribe. Now, in doing some research, I found that there were various colors. I mean, uh, I, I couldn't come up with one color for each one. Everybody had a different one. This is just an example of how you could have some flags or standards, some types of flags. These are just some examples. But my point is that soldiers declared their pedigrees. Soldiers declared who they, what family they were from. And so it is with our pedigree in Christ. We need to follow the banner of the Lord. We may not carry a flag around with us wherever we go. But our lives, the way we live, ought to be a banner, a testimony for the Lord. Oh, you're from the tribe of Christians. Because they see how we live. If you're born again, God is your father. So declare your faith in Christ. Psalm 107 and verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You know, the Lord Jesus has done so much for us. He became poor that I might possess abundant blessings. He became homeless that I might have a mansion one day. He was stripped that I might be clothed in his righteousness. He was forsaken that I might have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He was bound that I might have perfect liberty. He was, he became sad that I might have joy. He became a servant that I might be a son forever. He died that I should never taste eternal death. And he'll come down for us that we might go up with him. The soldier of Christ will declare his pedigree. Most Christians do not comprehend the fact that we're in a battle. We're soldiers in a battle. Many are in la-la land or, hello, wake up people. We're soldiers. We're in a battle. 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. 1 Timothy 6.12 Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of, uh, on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And because we're a soldier for Christ, there's no room for neutrality. Matthew 6.24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew 12.30, he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. 
So number one, God is not the author of confusion. Number two, we are in the Lord's army. Number three, we are strangers and pilgrims. We're not only soldiers, but we're pilgrims on this march. This world is not our final home. We're not to settle here permanently. The wilderness is not a place to build a home. A fugitive is one who's running from home. A vagabond is one who has no home. A stranger is one who's away from home. But a pilgrim is one who's on his way home. And that's what we are. We're on our way. We're uh, marching to an appointed place. Our home is in heaven. 1 Peter 1.4 To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. I've got a home reserved in heaven waiting for me. Notice as pilgrims for the Lord, we are strangers and pilgrims. We are to forsake all for the Lord. Luke 14, 26 and 27. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We're to forsake all for the Lord. We're to travel by faith. Hebrews 11 and 9, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country dwelling in the tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. We are to be encouraged by God's promises. Again in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, Those all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them far off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And then we're to be shining lights. Philippians 2.15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And then we are to have an eye on eternity. Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And so because God is not the author of confusion, we're in the Lord's army and we're strangers and pilgrims. The Lord is to be the center of our lives. The Lord is to be the bullseye on a target where the sight is aimed and focused. Christ is to be focus of our lives. Our lives are to revolve around Him. And we're reminded of the truth here in Numbers chapter 2 and verse 17. Numbers 2 and verse 17, notice it there. Then the tabernacle of the congregation shall set forward with the camp of the Levites in the midst of the camp. As they, uh, so shall they set forward every man in his place. Got it right there. Tabernacle of the congregation shall set forward with the camp of the Levites in the midst of the camp. tabernacle was to be right in the middle. Christ is to be right in the middle of your life and my life. Christ is the central position. 
He's the mediator of mankind. He's the veil of the tabernacle pointed to uh, Christ as our mediator. Christ is also seen in the candlestick or the menorah. He's the light of the world. He's called the Lion of Judah. And when the Lord spoke to Moses, he spoke to him in the midst, midst of the bush. And when the Lord judged Egypt with the plagues, he reminded us again that he is in the center of all things. And when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he spoke with the middle of the fire, from the middle of the fire in Mount Sinai. Moses' prophecy of Jesus about a, a prophet that would come was from the midst of the Jews. When the priests were crossing the Jordan River into the Promised Land, they stood with the ark in the midst of Jordan River. When Jesus visited the disciples after his resurrection, he stood at the center of them. And Christ is seen as the, in the midst of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, or the, the seven candlesticks. I wonder this morning, is Jesus the center of your lives? I wonder this morning, is Jesus the center of your life? Sinner, won't you trust him today? Christian, are you obeying his commands? Are you making him the focus of your life? Some wonderful lessons we can glean from this book of Numbers. God is not an author, not the author of confusion. We're soldiers in the Lord's army. We're strangers and pilgrims. We need to make Jesus Christ the center of our lives this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for these lessons that we can glean from the book of Numbers. And yes, we've looked at many passages of Scripture this morning, but your word is the best commentary of the Bible. Your word emphasizes these important principles. And that's what we've tried to do this morning, Lord. And I pray that if there are needs this morning, if there's confusion, if there's disorderliness, if there's sin that's blinding, putting people in a fog, not able to see the direction in which they should go. But the Spirit of God would work in hearts and lives to draw them closer to you, help them to make things right with you. And Lord, help them to desire to be the person that you'd have them to be according to your word. There's someone here, Lord, that's not saved. We pray, Lord, that God the Holy Spirit would work in their heart to bring them to Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.